Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. To the latest edition of the Audible presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Bruce Feldman, joined as always by my colleague Stuart Mandel. And Stu, we are bringing this episode home about, I don't know, about an hour and a half after the blowout win by Alabama. Another national title for Nick Saban, number seven. Uh, did this go pretty much how you thought it would go? No, because I thought it would be more of a back and forth shootout. I did not see Alabama blowing Ohio State out, certainly not uh, by the margin that it did. Now, Ohio State losing Trey Sermon after one carry leaves you wondering what, what might have happened if he, not that, they, I don't think it would have changed who won the game. Could they have been more competitive? He could have been, he could have been Walter Payton or Jim yeah. Brown in his heyday. I don't think they were winning. Well, I mean, the craziest thing of the whole game is that Devontae Smith did what he did in the first half, got hurt, missed the whole second half. And all they did was pull away even more. And if somebody were looking at his stats and didn't know that, they would just say, oh, wow, he had a great game. Wow. 215 yards and three touchdowns? What a great game. No, he did that in the first half. Um, The story of the Alabama season to me, this game and their season, is that nobody could shut that guy down. Nobody could stop him. And he he won the Heisman. He, He arguably played even better in the postseason. But even the best receivers are supposed to have games where they just don't have many catches or somebody locks them up or, or whatnot. Um, this was just a continuation. And, and if anything, um, you know, probably his, his, his best performance yet because it came in the national championship game. Yeah, this was certainly a bad matchup for Ohio State. I think that we came into the game with a lot of concerns about Ohio State's secondary. And it's actually... It didn't take long. It almost they almost did this in a. I almost had 400 yards of passing offense in the first half alone. Um, it's actually the four the third time in the last five games Ohio State has given up 400 yards or more through the air. And you know there was play after play where you looked like it were um, look and, and credit to Steve Sarkeesian. He did what good offensive coordinators do, and they find ways, whether it's motion or formations and different things, to get their best players freed up. And man, there were times where, you know, the one I think a lot of people probably remember was the one touchdown to, to Devontae Smith, where Tough Borland ends up in a matchup, and that is a that is just not what Ohio State wants. And and there's not, you know, there's few linebackers would have been able to keep up with him. And that just kind of, I think, was one of the points that hammered home. I mean, the, the you know, the crazy thing to me about this game was for, I don't know, the first 45 minutes, there was some back and forth element to it, right? And then all of a sudden, Alabama just hit the gas and just left Ohio State in the dust. And, 
you know, again, I just, I think we've talked about this a lot. This was an unstoppable offense. And I don't know, I don't know who, who had a defense that would have been very formidable to hold up against these guys. But, um, you know, hats off to Nick Saban. Because I don't, I don't remember when it was. It was probably like five years ago or some point where people were speculating that the program was going to backslide. And if anything, it's stronger than ever right now. Assistant coaches come and go. First round picks and five stars come and go. He's the one constant. You know, he tweaks it here and there when those assistant coaches go. And it's unlike anything we've ever seen in college football. It really is. I mean, to me, that's the story is the guy who I think both of us already thought was the greatest football coach in the history of college football. I mean, I don't even know. There's to me, there's not even a discussion at this point, right? No, of course not. I thought he ascended to that title. I don't know, a couple of national championships ago by now, just because when we've talked about this before, um, he's doing it in an era when it should be like, it should be harder to win national championships now than ever before, whether you're talking about, you know, any number of changes over the course of the history of the sport, scholarship limits. Um, with Notre Dame, we talked about there's no advantage to be on national TV every week anymore. You name it. And yet the machine rolls on. I, I know I mentioned this after the game on Twitter, all those years where people complained how it's so unfair. Alabama plays every year. They play the Citadel. They play, um, you know, you name New Mexico State. Like they play a bunch of cupcakes. Well, this year, they didn't have that option. They had to play 10 SEC teams plus an SEC championship game plus Notre Dame and Ohio State and had their most dominant season yet. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They, um, th- This was the team. Of all the teams he's had, this team was the most dominant. And it's a credit to them because this was a year, and, and Kirk Herbstreit mentioned this a couple times on the air, and I agree with him. It's a real testament to the whole attitude of that team and that program. I think they were so determined to uh, make up for last season, which was, you know, an uncharacteristically bad season for them that nobody of note opted out. Nobody, you know, Najee Harris and Devontae Smith came back. They could have turned pro last year. Nobody opted out before the season. Um, the COVID issues that, that really affected almost every other team you can think of at some time never affected them other than Nick Saban himself. Um, they were just a machine. And I guess if you take a step back and look at it, oh, of course, uh, the season of chaos, the program that managed it the best was the program that invented the process. So what is the, what is the talking point here for us? I mean, you know, this game was not in doubt in the second half. And I, I mean, I guess I would ask you is like, what were the thing, what would you have been writing about if you were writing a column off this game? Well, I did just write a column off this game, not not one where you're actually at the game and interview people and actually be a reporter. Uh, just my my final thoughts. So, what is the one you know big picture point you would have? I think that it's amazing to me, and we can. Here's the discussion to be had, and and people have been having it. You know, you get to the end of last season, and you're like, we are never going to see another offense like the one we just saw with Joe Burrow. And, and Clyde and Jamar Chase and these guys who I think they beat like five of the final top 10 teams in the poll and the offense just lit everybody up. And you get to the end of this season 
And Mac Jones finishes with a higher passer rating than Burrow did. And Devontae Smith shattered all sorts of receiving records, and they averaged almost 50 points a game against this schedule. Who who you got? 2019 LSU offense, 2020 Bama offense. Uh, you know, I posed this question to some of the coaches I talked to for that story at the beginning of the week, and this was kind of the consensus. This Alabama team is more physical. It has a much better offensive line. Now, Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Mac Jones. He's also presents more problems because he's much more mobile. Uh, I think, you know, it's hard to say because I think, I think Najee Harris is, was a better back this year, even better than Clyde was last year. Although Clyde was a great fit in that offense, um, as much as, as as amazing as Devontae Smith is, I think one, two, three, that is a better group of receivers that LSU had than what Alabama has at this point. Um, and we're talking about like Justin Jefferson was the, the second or the third guy. Justin Jefferson torched the NFL this year. It's just offensive yep. line, and that matters a lot. Um, Alabama, you know, both teams won the Joe Moore Award, which is picked by real experts on the offensive line. Both teams won it. I just, from everything I heard from coaches who were in the league, they just felt like this Alabama group was, was much better than that LSU group up front. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's... You know, as you said, I mean, what the LSU team did last year, they beat so many top 10 teams. And they, by the end of the year, I mean, they blew out Georgia, they blew out Oklahoma, and they, they whipped Clemson. So I don't know. It's, it's a tough call. I would not have picked, let's put it this way I would not pick against Joe Burrow in that game. I just came away just thinking he's the, the trigger guy. But I could see why you'd say Alabama's has been unstoppable and they had they had a harder thing to do because of everything that went on around the sport and really not just around the sport but obviously around around the world with a pandemic and so you know i remember at one point you'd hear people you'd maybe do a radio interview or somebody would say hey is it going to be like is there going to be an asterisk by this team if it gets by this team if they win a championship or whoever wins a championship and i had always thought no they're going to have they're going to have really earned it every bit, if not, and probably more so than anybody else, just because of all the discipline it would take to get there. And I feel that way. Like, I feel like Alabama is a, um, you know, look, I mean, I think a lot of people, it's hard not to have been impressed with Devonte Smith on the field, how he's handled it. Um, you know, it just, it's been a, it, it, you know, it's been a remarkable year for Alabama. I don't, there's, you know, it's just hats off to them for the way they, the way they, uh, the way they responded. It's basically an impossible question. I mean, I do think this Alabama team was better than that LSU team. If they were playing each other, I would pick uh, Alabama because I think they would just, you know, I don't think that the 2019 LSU defense would be able to to do much against these guys. But if you're talking about the offenses themselves, I think you laid it out very well about the differences. There's also just a completely different scheme. I thought this game did a lot to kind of highlight what, if you didn't already know why Sark got so much buzz and why he ended up getting the Texas job off of his play calling this season, you really saw it. I thought on the two short Devontae Smith touchdowns where he, on one of them, he 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 moved like he was going to, like it was going to be a reverse and then went in the opposite direction and caught the touchdown wide open. And on the other one, I think he changed directions two or three times before the snap. 
Like just the play designs and the ways they work to get him open were really impressive. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's take a step back here, okay? This was, this was the most unusual season of our lives. And, you know, when I think back, maybe I'm just kind of a, a college football nerd this way, but if you say if you say 2009, 2005, you name it, like there's certain images that come to my mind about that season, usually with the team that won the championship or whatever the biggest stories were. What do you think? 20 years from now, I bring up the 2020 season, what's going to come to mind first? Alabama, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, or all the cancellations and just all of the all the things, all of the COVID-related things that that hovered over this season. Uh, I'm not going to think about like all the cancellations because all that stuff kind of blurs together. I will think about Devontae Smith. I mean, in I, you know, I, I kind of liked the interview, not not necessarily for what he said post-game where he's talking to Maria Taylor, but you look at him, you're like, man, he's still so slight, and yet he is this incredible um, player in... It, you know, it just, you look at him, you're like, man, he still looks kind of physically like a high school kid. And um, so to me, he's really, um, he, and, and Najee Harris too. I mean, they are really the faces of the season to me more than the cancellations. Because honestly, you know, it's, it's hard for me to separate, you know, to look at it. That's a college football thing as it relates to, um you know what's gone on in 2020 because there's just been so much it's exhausting all the way around i mean i don't think of college football differently than i think of you know there were cancellations in baseball and now we're seeing them in in the nba and certainly you've seen you know i i don't think i'm going to sit there and like cling to okay well the ivy league you know, did this and then the Big Ten did that. I'm sure there are going to be people who are going to, it's going to resonate and they're going to remember blow by blow with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and this and that. But I don't know. I just don't think my mind at this stage of my life is wired to kind of cling to those things. Am I, are you in the same camp as me or you think differently? Like, what do you think your takeaway will be? I mean, I'm not going to remember the blow by blow that you're describing. I do think I'll remember the months of acrimony that led up to it. Um, and I think I'll remember just the general weirdness of it. Um, but, and, and that it ended with Alabama. Like when I think of the 2015 season, for example, I know Alabama won the championship that year, 
But it was not the most memorable Alabama team. It was the, the Jake Coker team. Um, I think this Alabama team you're going to remember more because they were so fun to watch, um, despite the fact that almost every game was a blowout, right? I mean, the SEC championship wasn't. Um, the Ole Miss game in week two wasn't. Everything else was a blowout, and yet it was just it was just a joy to watch them play offense. It was like um, uh, like you were seeing something entirely new. I do think that what's interesting is just like we did, you know, that they're kind of are making an argument to one up LSU from last year. I kind of think that's just what it's going to be. Each year, somebody's going to one up the last one in terms of like the efficiency of their quarterback and the, and the, you know, creativity of their play calling. There's no real, it doesn't seem like there's anybody coming to rescue college football defenses anytime soon. Like we're going to change this rule or we're going to do this. It's just, this is just where it's been heading for years. And I don't, I don't see anything that's going to change it. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, you know, who knows, you know, what what is next from it? Because obviously I think that it's hard to play really good defense. I mean, it's just, and I think it's become harder and harder with some of the rules, especially linemen downfield, some of the different things that get implemented, um, you know, up-tempo offenses. It's just really everyone is geared towards that. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd want to be a defensive coach if I was, um, an up, you know, up and coming, college, aspiring college assistant, just because sooner or later, and probably sooner, you're going to get exposed. I mean, look at it this way, uh, and I wasn't thinking we were going to go in this direction necessarily, but um, Don Brown has had a remarkable run of top ten defenses yards per play allowed in like the last seven or eight years. But people are going to right now remember him because they had a really bad defense this year relative to everything else um and because ohio state which has had terrific receivers and really good offenses and better talent than everybody in that league has lit them up the last couple of years i mean this guy is, has a has a eye-popping resume of top 10 defenses in the last six or seven years but he's had one one that's been not good at you know not very good and then a couple of times where they've been gotten by like i said a really talented uh arch rival and i think that's where we are with defensive football i think that's a reflection of how hard it is to to be consistently really really good you know i mean i just think it's you know some of the knocks that went on the big 12 i think they're kind of now across the board in college football well, that's the thing. I think what changed over the last few years is that it went, uh, I mean, obviously spread offenses are not new. Um, the air raid is not new. A lot of those things that have been going on for 15, 20 years at this point, but they were always like the Texas Techs, the Washington States, Oklahoma States that were doing it. Now, the programs that get the best players are doing it. So it's Alabama with the best, who already recruits the best players in the country running a ridiculously efficient offense. LSU last year, finally taking advantage of all the talent they can get. So that's where it just gets unfair. That's where I wouldn't want to be a DC, having to defend this system with all of those five-star recruits playing in it. And um, that 2017 Alabama recruiting class changed everything for them with Tua and Najee Harris and four receivers who were probably going to all end up going in the first round. Um, Alex Leatherwood was in that class. Like that... What, what a legacy that ended up leaving. 
one other thing about when we talk about what we're going to remember from this season, the the final eight people came out just now as we're mm-hmm. recording this, and I'm looking at it, and I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head like what is the normal number of group of five teams to finish in here, but you've got Cincinnati number eight. Uh, BYU is not group of five, but just not power five. BYU number 11. Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina, number 14. Louisiana Lafayette, number 15. Liberty, number 17. Ball State, number 23. San Jose State, number 24. Buffalo, number 25. There are a lot of cool stories off the beaten path this year in college football. I mean, I do still, I think I'll remember the BYU-Coastal Carolina game as the game of the season. Yeah, that's a lot of, you know, again, BYU, consider them, you know, whatever you want in terms of not a Power 5 program or not, but that's a lot of non-Power 5 programs uh, high up there. And, yeah. Hey, are you surprised at all that A&M is above Notre Dame? No, I figured that would happen. I I figured there was even a chance they'd be ahead of Clemson because – the voters have always said one loss is better than two. Um, I think that that's a reflection of Notre Dame getting blown out uh, in in both of their last two games. Um, look, A and M fans are to the, they still think they should have been in the playoff instead of Notre Dame, um, and I still think they shouldn't have. But uh, no, it's not surprising. It's surprising to you? No, not really. I mean, we we talked about this a little bit where where you foot Oklahoma and everything else, so. Um, hey, uh, shout out to Mike Hankwitz. Northwestern finishes in the top 10. That's pretty good. Yeah, they finished. Uh, we'll just read it off for people who haven't seen it yet. Alabama 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson 3, A&M 4, Notre Dame 5, Oklahoma 6, Georgia 7, Cincinnati 8, Iowa State 9, Northwestern 10. Bruce, I've, I, I've already submitted the early top 25 for 2021, and it will go up on the athletic Probably will have already gone up by the time you hear this podcast. And let me tell you something. The Iowa State Cyclones are bringing back everybody. I'm not sure I've ever seen a team bring back that much of their starting lineup from already having had a pretty good season. Do you have them in your top four? Is that what you're telling us? Well, I'm not going to give I'll out just the goods give it just out. yet. Come on. It's late at night. Come on. just. They're higher. They finished the – well, I'll put it this way. They finished number nine. They are going to start out in my preseason poll higher than that. Um, when is this I thing going up year, on the site, by the way? Um, Tuesday morning. So this is going to be up by the time people listen to this podcast. That's right. So just tell people. Why don't you give away the, at least the top 10, and then I can nitpick it for a minute. Okay. All right. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Oklahoma, who is bringing back... Um, I, so just to before I get into I was surprised how many guys who could very easily be going in the NFL, even seniors who are, have the free era, are coming back. Nick Benito, All-American linebacker for Oklahoma, great pass rusher, coming back. Kennedy Brooks, their star running back who opted out of this season for COVID, is coming back. He's not gone off to the NFL. Oklahoma could be pretty loaded next year. Oklahoma 2, Clemson 3, Georgia 4, A&M 5, Ohio State 6. Iowa State seven, Cincinnati eight, LSU's coming back with a with a fairy number nine, Notre Dame ten. Okay. Uh, all right, and 
I know you have problems with something. I there. don't. It's too early to have problems. It really <laughs> is. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I cheated and I looked at uh, our friend Mark Schlebaugh and Brett McMurphy. Each had their own uh, that came out at some point Monday. Um, and so I kind of looked at I that. I think I saw that Brett had Ohio State preseason number one. Did I see that right? One of them did not have Texas A&M high, and that kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, and I don't remember which one it was. It may have been Brett. Um, yeah, we don't know who Texas A&M's quarterback will be, but they're bringing back all those running backs. There's a lot of quarterbacks in the uh, corner, by the way. So It's true. Um, Ohio State's going to be – I mean, I think Alabama picks up where they left off. They usually do. Ohio State's an interesting one because I feel like Justin Fields – may be the toughest player in the country to replace. Um, and I'm saying that, obviously, he didn't have a great game. He, you know, he, he had several not great games this year, but we know who, we know what he is. And, um, you know, they, they're they going to replace him with a freshman, with one of three, either either somebody who's coming in or who got there this maybe, year. Yeah. yeah, it's, to me, that's, that's why I have him number six. I just think, um, I, I kind of know better the quarterback picture of the team's most of the teams in front of them. Like if Mac Jones turns pro, feel pretty good about Bryce Young. Um, Oklahoma's got Spencer Rattler. We've already seen enough of DJ at Clemson, JT Daniels at Georgia. But yeah, I don't know uh, what Ohio State looks like post-Justin Fields. Did you, I'm sorry, did you have North Carolina in your top 10 or not? Um, no, I have them somewhere in the high teens. Okay. They, have a, they have to replace both those running backs. Yeah, but they still have arguably a Heisman, legit Heisman guy there, a quarterback, though. They do. So that's a team you'd have higher. Oh, another team that's bringing literally everybody back, Coastal Carolina. They are bringing back 20 of 22 starters. All right. That is a lot to look forward to, Stu. Any parting words for us uh, for the rest of the 2020 season? I just want to thank the listeners for listening all season. Um, and, and even going back before that, it's been an unusual one to say the least. And we've probably spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about, I know we spent a lot of time talking about which games got canceled and which teams had players out and, and testing content. We, I remember we had one podcast at some point where you talked for like 10 minutes about contact tracing. Afterward, I was like, are you sure you're really yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, look, that, that was much a detail? issue in the big 10 yeah. at that point. I definitely, uh, you know, I've, I've said this to Max Olson, uh, our colleague, the other day we were on, just on the phone and I was like, you know, I've heard people go, yeah, when they write the book on 2020, I'm like, I don't fucking want to read that book. I don't want to read that book. <laughs> people have said we should write, you should write a book about conference realignment. Like nobody's going to want to read, nobody's going to want to read that book. Um, this was like, I don't know, this is kind of a warped version of that. Like when you're covering conference realignment, there's a lot of, you find yourself getting getting into the weeds on these like business business type things that you never thought you'd write about as a sports writer we spent a lot of time in the last eight months on medical things that that we <laughs> that i'd never heard of before eight months ago um my guess is with distance you'll look back and be like gosh did we really spend that much time talking about contact tracing we should have been talking more about Devonte smith um but in real time like that's how it was playing out i just think that it was a very much a week-to-week game by game thing where you were just trying to make it to the next week uh with this thing still standing so it's 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 amazing it it, you know with no bubble i believe it's the first major team sport that that made it to the end without any bubble and uh and here we are with 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 the most predictable national champion you could have possibly had but 
Um, I'll tell you this much. I'm genuinely, genuinely already excited for next season because hopefully, knock on wood, let's all get our vaccinations. Let's all be able to go back to stadiums together. And by the way, week one, Georgia versus Clemson. How's that to start out the season? I'm all in. Can't wait. We will still, we're not going away. I know we're talking like this. We're not going to do, we're, we're going to do once a week now. Not the season's over, not twice a week. But we will be with you every week. So keep that subscription going. Keep rating five stars, reviews, tell your friends. Uh, and of course, email us at theaudiblepod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.